Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I love to talk about behavior change because if you read a good personal development book, if you get to that point where you actually read it, but you don't change your behavior, there's no difference between Netflix or playing video games, right? They're just a form of entertainment. And unfortunately, what happens sometimes for people is reading the book is the sense of fulfillment. It's not the behavior change because these books are engineered to release dopamine and help you visualize your ideal future. And so you feel great while you're doing it. And then you put the book down and that's the end of your experience. But yeah, we always talk about behavior change. That's definitely the goal. Hey, everybody. I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome to Punk Rock HR. Today's guest is Nick Hutchison. He's the founder, podcast host, empire builder behind something called Book Thinkers. Book Thinkers is a business that's dedicated to helping authors and readers make a connection in the personal development space. They've got an audience of over 100,000 book lovers, and they're always helping that audience discover new books, new mentors, and new resources. I absolutely love this conversation with Nick because as a relatively new author, I'm always learning and growing and trying to figure out how do I take this book, betting on you, and make sure that it's of service to a larger audience. So if you're interested in two people talking about personal development and authors and really big ideas, well, sit back and enjoy this conversation with Nick Hutchison. Hey, Nick, welcome to the podcast. Laurie, I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, well, I'm thrilled to have you to talk about all things books, authors, all the nerdy stuff, leadership development. But before we do that, why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you're all about? Sure. So my name is Nicholas Hutchison. I'm a 27-year-old entrepreneur in the Boston, Massachusetts area. A few years ago, I discovered the world of personal development books. And so today I have a business that's really dedicated to helping people connect with books that can change their lives. And I'm super passionate about this industry. Before we get started, you must hear this all the time when I was 27 years old, I was kind of an idiot and I had a job in corporate human resources and I hated life. I hated the world and I had a chip on my shoulder. And that was actually around the time that I began my journey to figure out who I was and what I was all about. And it was definitely not human resources, but it took me a couple years and I did it through the act of reading. I read a ton of personal development books and thought much of this is trash. I don't agree with a lot of it. So I'm going to write my own at some point. And it took me a while longer after that to find publish a book. But what I'm saying at 27, I was not thinking about being an entrepreneur. So tell us a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur. How'd you get here? Well, you know what? I hated reading and I spent a little bit too much time in the gym and partying and being social in college. But I took an internship my senior year at the University of New Hampshire and I had a great mentor. And at the time he introduced me to the world of podcasts and personal development. He recommended a couple of good books. Now I was dealing with a few of my own things at that time. I was in 
insecure on one end of the spectrum, but full of ego on the other. And so two pretty ugly places to be operating from. But these books grounded me and they taught me a lot. They humbled me instantly and I became addicted. And so I was never a reader. I hated reading. And then I became a reader. So it was a very definitive inflection point for me. And, and that was about six years ago. And I haven't looked back since. Wow, that's amazing. Do you mind sharing some of the authors who changed your life back then? So the first book that I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And because I was in business school, but didn't know a lot about money or personal finance, I became fascinated by that space. So I read more books in the money space. I read The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. I read The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clayson. And then I started to branch out into broader personal development. So I read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey. And I started to get into the Malcolm Gladwell books. And so I became fascinated because of how fast my life changed in the personal finance space. Like I didn't know anything about money one day. And then I condensed decades of wisdom into a few, maybe a month or two of learning. And now I knew everything about money. So you never tire of learning about money. It teaches you a lesson when you think you know everything. You're like, oh, I could learn a little bit more. That's the interesting thing about the world of personal development. So tell me a little bit about book thinkers, because that's how I stumbled on your journey. So today, book thinkers is a lot of different things. We're in a little bit of a pivot and opportunity overload. So what we're most known for is our Instagram account. So we've got about 120,000 nonfiction book lovers in our Instagram community. It's a very engaging community. And because of that Instagram, we've branched off into a few other areas. We do PR and marketing on behalf of authors. We do some social media management for authors. We also have a podcast that I host called the Book Thinkers Life Changing Books Podcast, where each and every week we interview one of the world's top authors in the personal development space. And we've trialed a few things that didn't work along the way. We've put out mobile applications, e-commerce shops, and we love connecting people with books. And so social media has been a great way to achieve that mission. You know, I read a statistic that book sales are through the roof, but people really aren't finishing books. Like people want to learn, right? They want to grow. They want to change, but maybe they just can't figure out the time. And it's the tension of it all because some of these books would actually free them up if they would read them to learn more and to change their lives and to be open to a state of learning. So during COVID, have you noticed any changes in reading habits or buyer habits? Well, our communities on social media and our podcast audience, while our podcast kicked off during COVID, but our communities on social media definitely grew faster when people People were staying at home a little bit more. I think a lot of people got slapped in the face and, and they got a wake up call that said, hey, your life isn't great. And right now is a great time to make a change. And personal development. Yeah, you're right. And the act of buying a book certainly releases dopamine for certain people. And unfortunately, that's the very end of the process. Sometimes the book, maybe they'll open it when Amazon delivers it. Maybe they won't. <laughs> but opening it up, reading it, taking notes, actually reflecting on your notes and then changing your behavior. Those are too many steps steps down the process for some people. So I love to talk about behavior change because if you read a good personal development book, if you get to that point where you actually read it, but you don't change your behavior, there's no difference between Netflix or playing video games, right? They're just a form of entertainment. And unfortunately, what happens sometimes for people is reading the book is the sense of fulfillment. It's not the behavior change because these books are engineered to release dopamine and help you visualize your ideal future. And so you feel great while you're doing it. And then you put the book down and that's the end of your experience. But yeah, we always talk about behavior change. That's definitely the goal. 
God, that's so interesting because I think you're right. I mean, I, as an author, read something like 35 self-help books before I even put together my book proposal. And these were books that I had not read before. So in my library, I've got Napoleon Hill and some stuff by Rachel Hollis. Like I had all of that, but I went out into the marketplace and bought these new books to see what the landscape was like. And you're right. They are designed to make you feel like anything is possible. So what do you think there is to a really good book? Because a great book doesn't leave you hanging. A great book says, all right, I've inspired you. Now here's a plan. Go do it. So how does an author do that? And do you have any examples in mind of a book that does that well? Sure. I think the best books are actionable. They give you the tools to act against the promises that they're delivering to you at the beginning of the book or what the hook of the book tells you is possible, right? So I think they're rooted in reality. I think they're actionable. And I think they describe the task at hand accurately. So they don't overpromise, under deliver. They tell you exactly how hard it's going to be and how long it's going to take. A good example of an actionable book, I just had a conversation with somebody recently about the book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi, which is a personal finance book to go back to that genre. And the subtitle is flashy. It's meant to trend and and to create curiosity. Oh, you're going to teach me to be rich. But then the book tells you step by step how to get your personal finances under control. He talks to you in almost like a bar talk language. It's casual. It's easy to understand. He's not trying to impress you with his accolades and his big words and definitions. He's just telling you how life works and how cash flow works and how you can implement it into your life. And so for me, after reading that book, I made a ton of changes. I got rid of my relationship with certain banks. I moved my money to other banks. I automated my cash flow. I was able to reframe some things around budgeting and conscious spending. And so very easy book, very actionable, told me exactly what I needed to do. I did it and my life changed. The other thing I like about an author like that, and that is a terrific book, like one of the strongest books out there, I think, on money. These books just don't exist in a vacuum. There's a great website. There's a podcast. There's an Instagram account, right? There's an engine to make you first and foremost know that this author means business, but also to make the content accessible in a lot of different ways. And much of it is free. Like I'm amazed at how much authors give away. What do you think about all that? I think it's great. I love creating an ecosystem. I mean, your book, it lives, it breathes, it has communities in different ways. And so another example of a book like that is Built to Serve by Evan Carmichael. He has a huge YouTube community. He's got a great community on Facebook and Instagram. He offers tons of free tools. He's the first podcast episode for so many people that I know. He's willing to jump on and give and provide free value to anybody that's willing to listen. But there are tiers to the structure. So if you become a raving fan, there's an opportunity for you to spend a little bit more money. Maybe it's to buy the book. Maybe it's to get involved in the course or the masterclass. And so I think the idea of creating a fuller environment that offers free value gets a lot of people in the door. And then you always have sort of tiers to climb up the chain as you're willing to spend more money. Yeah, I definitely admire that in structuring my own business. uh, For me as a solo entrepreneur, I'm a team of one. That has seemed pretty daunting for me to build. And so talk to me a little bit about other authors like me who are interested in putting out a book, publish something they're very proud of, and they don't know what to do next. What recommendations do you have? What have you seen that's worked? Yeah, it's a tough, long game. Book marketing and book sales, from what I understand, used to be focused on the first three months after you put your book out, and then it really didn't matter what you did. Nowadays, they're saying, authors, reframe your brain. You need to focus on the first three years that your book comes out, and you need to provide compliments to your book. And so as a solo business owner, solopreneur, there are tools that have 
have been developed that help you create that fuller environment. One example, Russell Brunson created this business called ClickFunnels, and ClickFunnels provides you the email, website, automation tools to build sort of a larger environment around your book and offer complimentary products and get people to step up to certain milestones and work their way through a funnel. And so tools like that have been really useful, I think, for solopreneurs because they're very basic. They have step-by-step instruction videos. And I've gone through the process a couple times with certain people through products like that, and they are relatively easy to use. But going back to my first point, it's just the reframe. It's not a three-month process. It's a three-year process. And now, too, I guess to add one other thing is there are so many other ways to monetize what's in your brain as a solopreneur. If people find it valuable enough to buy a book and they want more, what else can you offer? There are platforms like Thinkific and Udemy that allow you to create courses that could go along with your book that maybe focus on specific points of your book and you can monetize those in different ways. There are speaking opportunities. I mean, people always say you can add another zero to your speaking fee once you have a book. And for the most part, I've heard that's true. And so that's why individual chapter titles are so important because you can go give a whole speech on just one chapter title and you need to be able to pitch that and talk about it. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways to complement a book these days. Well, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about some of the mistakes that authors make. You know, one you mentioned is the reframing, right? They come into their book launch thinking it's all about the three months and not the three years. I think the other thing is that authors can get caught up in the fact that it's about them. They launch a book, it's their brand, it's their community, but a book has to be of service. And if you get disconnected with that, you get lost in the mismosh of PR and marketing and it just pulls you under. So that's one mistake I see. Anything else? Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of them. And so the whole book process normally starts, I think, for the most successful authors, like a year or two years in advance of the book launch. And so a lot of the authors that book thinkers that we do business with haven't done enough pre-launch stuff. There's almost like a pre-launch, a launch, and then an acceleration into the future. Those three phases are all really important. But the pre-launch phase, people don't do enough there. So you've got to form relationships with influencers that can go out there and talk about your book. You've got to be able to refine your hook so that you can say it in a split second. I'll talk to authors and say, so tell me what your book's about. And they'll say, well, you know, it's kind of hard to put into words. What in the world? How can you expect to sell this? Yeah. And aren't you an author? Don't you use words? <laughs> so, there's yeah. Or it's hard there, to yeah. condense it into to 30 seconds. So yeah, spending the time to develop relationships, to write a really good book, work with a developmental editor, make sure it makes sense. Like you did read 30 or 40 of the other comparables that exist out there in the space. Research what's done really well for people. Try to form 80-20 relationships. That's something that I'm learning more about. So instead of trying to sell 100 books to 100 individual people, go find one person that can buy 100 books on behalf of their organization. You know, so now who are the 20% of people that can generate 80% of your sales? Do less work, work smarter, not harder. And that process is really long. Get the socials in place before you put your book out. Get those podcasts scheduled before you put your book out. Like that kind of stuff I think is really important and it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of work, but it's rewarding because then you have more momentum actually going into the launch of your book. And that launch phase is really important. Like you mentioned, if you have all those tools in place, you'll have a stronger foundation, you'll sell more books, you'll be able to impact more people. A lot of people make the book about them. 
And that's always a problem. If you're trying to become a Wall Street bestseller or New York Times bestseller, if you're trying to add a zero to your paycheck and that's really the goal for the book, it won't resonate with people as much. So leading with service, what is the problem that you're solving? Building out your target reader profile, really stepping into their shoes and understanding what sort of frame of mind they're in. What will they be receptive to hearing? You wanna make sure it's not too advanced for that type of person. Polling your audience, getting involved with them, talking to them, feedback group, quizzes, like all that kind of stuff is important to do as well. And it's all about service. So like defining that mission is important. Really good stuff. And I don't disagree. You know, there are so many lessons you learn as a first time author, but I think really being of service, and I'm glad we're talking about this, is something that was drilled into me at the very beginning of the process and something that I try to remember even when I look at my book scan reports and I'm like, oh, I didn't sell as many books as I thought this week. But if you can reframe that and say, oh my God, I've sold a book in every state this week or whatever the good news is, you're of service to other people. So I love that recommendation. You know, one of the amazing things about having you on the podcast is that you've got access to a ton of books and a ton of authors. So I wonder, do you mind making some book recommendations for us? I don't mind at all. Good, good. So one of the issues for this corporate audience that's struggling with work is really about making sure that work in the future becomes more diverse, more inclusive. We feel a sense of belonging. So do you have any books that are top of mind that you would recommend in that space? Sure. I just read a good book by an author named Clint Pulver. He just put it out. It's called I Love It Here. And Clint created a really interesting business a few years ago called Undercover Millennial. He was hired by business owners to go into sort of service-based or retail businesses as a millennial and interview the staff undercover. And he would say, hey, I'm thinking about applying here. Tell me a little bit about management. Tell me a little bit about their leadership strategies. Tell me about the pay. Would you leave if you were given another opportunity? And he was able to get so much feedback on the topics that you're talking about and then provide it back to management that it's driving real change in workplace culture. And it was interesting because it's like an unbiased conversation between an employee and between a manager leader, right? There's no filtering your discussion. You're just talking to an undercover millennial. And I thought that was really interesting. So Clint makes a lot of recommendations on those subjects that you just mentioned because employer retention is really important. I think it's estimated that in order to replace an employee, you have to spend something around 1.5 times their salary in order to source a new employee, to train them, to hire them, and to get them up to speed. Not only are you wasting time, but you're wasting money. So if your workplace environment isn't inclusive or diverse enough, if you're not focused on employer retention or providing the best benefit, or long-term career advancement opportunities, then you're really shooting yourself in the foot and making it harder to grow and scale your business and create this healthy environment that you're looking for. That was a really good read on that subject. You know, another issue that comes across my plate like all the time are mid-careerists who are feeling stuck. You know, they're managers and maybe their next jump is to director or they've been stuck at director for a little while. You know, late stage millennials, young Gen Xers, they're just like, what next? Is that all there is? So I wonder if you have a book recommendation for that. I think a discontentment for where you are today might come from a lack of service, which we were talking about service before. And so the first book that comes to mind is Built to Serve by Evan 
Kevin Carmichael. He just put this book out last year, and what he does is he takes you, the reader, through this process of reflection. You're forced to go back to your early days, and he asks you questions about your favorite teachers in high school, and your favorite sports, and your favorite quotes, and your favorite movies, and why are they your favorite movies? And he forces you to reflect on your core values. And so he helps you define your purpose through this who, why, how framework. He talks about who are you, and you build a credo around it. He talks about why are you the way that you are, and why do you value those things? And then the last piece is important for the question that you just asked, which is how can you go live that and be of service to other people? Maybe you're not at the right company if you're feeling like you're in a slump. Maybe in order to execute against your purpose, you need to be delivering it in a different way. And those opportunities aren't at maybe the level you're at, in the current position you're in, the company that you're in, the industry that you're in. And so it can give you a definitive reason to either stick it out or to make the change or to pitch to upper management why you need this new opportunity. And I think clarity matters a lot in those situations around service and purpose and things like that. Well, as we start to wrap up the conversation around what Book Thinkers is and what you have to offer to the marketplace, you know, you've described really an ecosystem, a community of book recommendations, access to authors, really great conversations. What would you like our audience to know about your platform? Just that the right book at the right time can change anybody's life. I really believe that books are sort of a pathway to close the gap between who you are and who you're capable of being. And so most problems in life, somebody else has experienced that problem before and they've written about how they overcame it. You can condense maybe what could be decades long of a journey and lessons and obstacles into days of application so that you can close that gap between who you are today and who you're capable of being with whatever problem you're facing. So anyway, I guess to wrap it up, like I really just believe in this industry. I think these books are an amazing resource if you're actually looking for real behavior change. So make sure that when you order these books in the mail and you get them, that you open them up, that you have a pen or a highlighter in your hand, that you go through these books, you take great notes, you rewrite them after, you reflect on those notes, you talk to other people about them, you socialize them, and you look for ways to change your behavior. That's how you'll get the most out of them. And then back to that other point, there's a book out there to solve almost any problem, especially in the business world. So go out there and read something. That would be my final message. Well, Nick, I love it. And I love your old school championing of hardcover books and paperback books. Yes. No <laughs> eBooks for you, man. I can see it behind you in your, <laughs> in your library. Good for you for committing to traditional books. Thanks again for being a guest. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation on Punk Rock HR this week. Now, for more information, all the notes, all the highlights, all the resources, you know where to go. You can head on over to laurierudeman.com forward slash podcast. Now that's all for today and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR.